Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 31st and final day of 2022. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and as a result, no, I'm not going to do the best of or predictions for next year, but what I am going to do is take a look at some of the things that are probably most important as we deal with what's coming, and in that sense, I do think one of the things that I talk about on another show called Come Out of Her, My People is particularly important to ponder right now. Because coming out of a worldwide beast system that intends to commit Harry Carey and take you along with it is vital. I'm going to call this show Pick a Revolution as we do it, as we come out of her. And uh, I have talked in the past about the fact that there was a revolution in uh, the uh, Americas, in this country, the, the War for Independence particularly, in 1775. It started the uh, Declaration of Independence, as you know, or at least I hope uh, you all know, was uh, signed in uh, July of 1776. It basically established a new government, laying its foundations on such principles as were outlined by uh, the set of universal, undeniable, unanimous truths, things that they thought were self-evident, that we have a creator, that the purpose of government is to secure these rights given to us by our creator, not by any form of government on the planet. Well, what I have often done is contrasted that revolution with another that took place just a few years later, uh, a.k.a. the French Revolution, that came out dramatically differently, as a matter of fact, uh, satanically even differently, one could say, and uh, the French have uh, arguably never even recovered from it. And it's those differences that I want to lead up to and focus a bit on today because uh, I think, folks, we are at incredible risk of repeating the process only without the uh, the fortunate, the blessed outcome that America had, and uh, more like that, which in the absence of a uh, set of self-evident truths that people understood, almost inevitably ends up French Revolution style. So what I want to start off with today are some of the things that brought those revolutions about. And uh, obviously one of them, the one that I will contend is bringing about the revolution one way or another that we're going to get today, whether it just descends quietly into tyranny, which is probably the most likely outcome, and that would be uh, arguably the worst outcome, or in civil war, or in a, another revolution, or in a widespread uh, guillotining of huge numbers of people, as was happened in the French Revolution, remains to be seen. But let me start out this way. Uh, one of the things that fuels such revolutions is anger. In the United States, there were a number of things, the, uh, the intolerable acts, the things that we see literally going on today that Big Brother is doing again, literally putting King George III, crazy King George, to shame by the levels of atrocity, whether we're talking about uh, coming and trying to take people's firearms or the warrantless searches or the taxation without representation. Hell, they don't even have taxation with law nowadays. It's all done by third-party entities, public-private fascist partnerships, you name it. So what I want to do is to suggest this up front. We'll just do a couple of quick stories to make the point. If you're not angry, you'd ultimately have to be both ignorant and blind not to be. I, I heard a great 
recording that uh, was done by Greg Reese over the last 24 hours and um, was up on InfoWars and Prison Planet and a number of other places. He did a he did a good job. Matter of fact, it's actually something that yours truly has talked about as long as I have been doing this show. Um, I refer to it as the mark of the beast. He gets around to using that terminology too. But the title of his piece was A Digital Prison is Being Built Right Around You. And essentially what he said, and this is the theme of the Come Out of My People show, is uh, you are a criminal if you sign up for it. In other words, having a digital ID, volunteering for it, or allowing yourself to be roped into the system, and of course we know where it leads, it's the mark of the beast, means you signed up for it. In other words, you should have known better. And I guess you could say that was the point of Scripture. That's still the reason why Scripture says don't sign up for the mark of the beast, and this is a, a big, huge, giant step on the route. But what Reese makes the point uh, very graphically is the uh, the elements of this digital ID, the digital prison, include the socialist credit score and uh, a lot of other technology elements, huge numbers of cameras, facial recognition, uh, the um, LED streetlights that are being deployed, which not only include the cameras and the listening devices that would put uh, Orwell's 1984, technologically at least, to shame. They also have the ability to, uh, to do strobe-like things, cause people to throw up, become disoriented, or worse when they turn them on. So these are all basically crowd control mechanisms. As you know, there are other technologies. I've talked about 5G millimeter wavelengths, which can be used to debilitate people. It's the same frequency wavelengths and and, uh, at least some of the bands that are employed by the military already. They have known about this technology for years, folks, in the way of what is colloquially referred to as the pain ray. You want to control the population? You just fire up your 5G transmitters, put it on overdrive, and say, okay, anybody within the range of these damnable things is going to feel like they're being burned alive. They will submit to whatever it is you have for them. Don't allow these to be put in your neighborhood as part of it. Well, all of this, says Greg Reese, leads to a um, uh, a fundamental operating principle, is the way I would state it, called zero trust. And think about it. This is precisely what Big Brother has already demonstrated. Big Brother has zero trust in the peons. They are not trustworthy. They don't deserve to have firearms. That can't be trusted to vote. They certainly can't be trusted to, uh, you know, petition the government for a redress of grievances. That might be called an insurrection if you dare to say I didn't believe the results of a rigged election. So uh, from there, let's talk about just some of the latest abominations that we're seeing. And um, I guess that I'd say there is um, there's an order here, but it's not obvious because. Everywhere you look, you see a familiar pattern. Uh, let me just start with this one. After decades of lying about it, denying it, the corporate, the corporate media is now admitting that, yeah, those chemtrails that you've seen crisscrossing the sky for years, it's all about fighting climate change. And uh, there's even a new startup that they're giving a lot of press to, a geoengineering startup called Make Sunsets. Oh, that sounds so green and wonderful. It's begun deploying massive weather balloons to blast the stratosphere with reflective sulfur particles for the alleged purpose of fighting climate change. So see if Greta Thunberg can't sell it and Big Brother can't get people to uh, sign up for what's going on, we'll have private companies do it. And we don't need no stinking science. We don't. We'll just go ahead and do it. Uh, who's going to stop them. I'm going to come to that. 
The phenomenon known as chemtrails, these sulfur blasts supposedly stop the sun's UV rays from reaching the atmosphere, ultimately the Earth's surface, dimming the sun, uh, ultimately so that it'll no longer be able to sustain life on Earth. Now, what's interesting, of course, is um, we have to be convinced that climate change is real. Notice it's no longer man-made global warming. They dropped the man-made part of the name, anthropogenic, years ago. And since there really wasn't any warming to speak of, and now people are worried about freezing to death, well, we got to change it to climate change instead. And it turns out that when we see dimming of the sun, in other words, there are natural cycles in the sun. They don't like to talk about those because mankind doesn't have much to do with them, much less your SUV. But um, natural volcanic eruptions that tend to also coincide with these periods of solar minima uh, flood the skies with pollutant. They darken daylight for hours, even weeks at a time. You remember in the early 1800s, there was what was called the year without a summer after the big explosion in the uh, Pacific, South Pacific, that uh, literally dimmed the skies and caused huge climate problems. Notice, though, that's all in the form of cooling, isn't it? Amazing. So um, it's funny that um, there are um, these blithering idiots. No, these are just basically people that are being put up to, to doing it and to distract from what Big Brother has been doing for a long time. Um, they want to cool the climate. Now, let me just throw this story out, see if you think there could be a relationship here. Uh, huge winter storm last week, one of the biggest in decades, almost like the climate's cooling, isn't it? Um, Buffalo has fallen into chaos, said a piece from the uh, leftist Daily Mail. After the blizzard of the century killed 31 people, well, that was the old data. I'm seeing it's now up into the dozens and dozens. Before it's all over, it'll probably be admitted it was a lot more than that because there are still bodies in cars that can't even be reached at this point. It sparked looting across the uh, new York City of Buffalo, leaving store owners to fend for themselves. Dozens of videos posted online, says the piece, show brazen thieves taking advantage of the mess. Now, hey, they've been trained to do that, right? If you're a leftist, you can get away with that. You don't have to worry about it. They won't call it an insurrection if you're just going in and stealing big screen TVs. Clips emerged of store owners, though, taking on the looters by themselves. Uh, this after at least uh, one video of a woman posted even shows her looting and being proud of it. Uh, what was interesting to me is that it's local Arab businesses that have taken up arms against looters, and I guess they have a certain protection. They're politically correct and um, above the law, unlike, say, um, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant store owners that uh, already the, uh, the leftist mayor or governor of New York would have sent in the, uh, the military to go take out. But anyway, there are videos online of a group confronting a suspect in the streets and uh, basically uh, opening fire on the looters. Well, you know, folks, the reason why looting is a problem now and it didn't used to be was because there was an old saying from uh, decades and centuries ago that's been pretty much history for a long time. Looters will be shot on sight. And uh, that seems to solve the problem, and that's what a lot of folks are saying will happen again. That, that too, is part of what we're uh, talking about today. Uh, here's one more story. I'm going to mention this one because of the come out of her connection. Carl Denninger, who has a pretty good head on his shoulders, is frustrated about the way that foolish people are managing to die, get themselves killed this winter. And he notes that, uh, and I'll, I'll echo a lot of the sentiments here, those of us who live in places where it gets cold and where you recognize that uh, what I call cascading failures can, in fact, get people killed. You walk out in a blizzard, you don't have adequate um, snowshoes or preparation, you don't know how to get home, you, uh, you don't do the right things, you can easily freeze to death, and your cold, dead, hard body will be found who knows how long afterwards. 
Anyway, Denninger says this. In the late 70s and 80s, I lived in such a part of the country, a cold part, in other words, near a big lake. There was no fuel injection. In those days, cars had carburetors. But um, things were advanced to the point where the electric choke set itself when it was cold with a slight press of the pedal. There was no electric fuel pump. It was driven by the engine. You got in the car, pumped the pedal a couple times, and the accelerator pump would squirt raw gas into the float bowl. If you did it right, your key was uh, in the ignition, battery was in good shape, the car would start, sometimes firing on two or three cylinders, then running roughly, but warming up eventually. If you got it wrong and flooded it, uh uh-oh, you were in trouble. Because what you're going to end up with with a discharged battery that had been out in the cold, it might even get so cold it would freeze and split. In other words, folks, there are cascading failures during this kind of cold. And uh, if you haven't gotten used to it, this is a time where the come out of her show will suggest you had better be aware of some of these things. These are practice events. Consider them a blessing from the creator in that uh, if you recognize what was coming and realize you weren't prepared, now is the time to take that lesson forward. Okay, uh, he goes, uh, I didn't have a garage. Uh, that was a luxury. I didn't have enough money. Uh, I had to park outside. You had to clear your snow off your car after it started up because sometimes it was a foot deep. And you know that you needed to be prepared. You better have a winter parka, underwear, long underwear under your pants. Uh, because if the defroster hadn't warmed up and you got in the car, you'd freeze the windows over. You couldn't see. Okay, photos, uh, phones were connected with wires. You didn't have a cell phone. By the way, uh, given what's being planned, you probably won't have a cell phone in the uh, months to come or years to come. Be prepared for the kinds of communication issues that people had up until just a few years ago. There was zero chance of reaching a cell phone, because there weren't any. If you got out in the cold and you attempted to hike out, you were dead if you tried that stunt. If you went off the road, piled into high snow, sometimes it would be 10 feet high in February on both sides of the road. Well, you might not be seen. People might drive by and not notice that there was a car in the end of that little snow tunnel there. And you might never get out of there alive. Um, if you weren't aware of what you needed to do, can you run your, your car ignition? Well, it might, in fact, if you're in a snow tunnel, cause you to die of carbon monoxide poisoning. Okay, the point he's making here is relatively simple but kind of fascinating. People need to know things that most people today have been too dumbed down to know. And the result is they're going to die. Well, that's what we just saw. A lot of them did die. They're not talking about it. Um, They may find your dead body in April. What Denninger is saying is foolish people that are not prepared for what's coming, and that covers a lot of bases, are going to die in mass. And uh, the commentator who wrote about this says, uh, look, we've seen a lot of deaths in uh, New York of late. Um, By the way, you want a virtue signal and drive your Tesla or other uh, other EV? That's kind of stupid. It's utterly unsuitable in wintertime. Why? Because the heater uh, runs on electricity. Your mileage was pitiful before. It's even more pitiful if you try to run a heater. Oh, and guess what? If you get stuck out there, try to run your heater, you got a choice. Drive, and maybe you can't do that because you don't have any traction anyway, but you want to run your heater for very long. A car tank of gas would, would give you a lot more heat for longer. So people get out, they try to walk, they die. And uh, the EVs are essentially exacerbating that problem. All right, uh, lots of things, but essentially, says the uh, the commentator, there's there's no excuse for freezing to death because it reflects nothing more than ignorance of what winter brings and what uh, cooling climates are going to bring, even if people aren't prepared. I guess you could say, especially if people aren't prepared for it. 
Now, from there, I want to talk about one of the other abominations that uh, has been going on this week. You're going to see where there are some dots here that are being laid out. This is a piece by Andrew P. Napolitano, former federal judge, and uh, he begins kind of slowly. The, the piece is called Searching for Monsters, and he talks about John Quincy Adams addressing a joint session of Congress, which would be unheard of today. And essentially, the point he's making is a lot has changed and uh, we don't have that constitutional republic anymore. We don't have the rule of law. And um, one of the things that happened back in the 90s was that there was a kidnapping of a um, George W. George H. W. Bush administration decided to kidnap foreigners who had violated American laws elsewhere and try to hold them accountable here. Why? Oh, because, well, we can get away with it, was ultimately the bottom line. All of this came to a head in 1992, where a Mexican physician had challenged his violent kidnapping from his own medical office in Mexico, which had been orchestrated and financed by the push, the Department of Just Us under that particular tyrant, Bush. The Supreme Court ruled that the kidnapping was just fine. Why? Because the courts don't care where or how the defendant was brought into the courtroom. Uh, they have uh, in personam jurisdiction. You're, you're here. I don't care how you got here. Was it illegal? Were you kidnapped? Oh, sorry, Charlie. We don't care about that. They only concern themselves with what happens afterward. And since the U.S.-Mexico extradition treaty is silent on government kidnapping, well, it must be okay. This twisted understanding, says Napolitano of first principles, among which is that government must comply with its own laws. Hey, what a concept. Wouldn't that be neat if we still had that? Has led to the use of the three-letter tyrannical Gestapo agencies, FBI, CIA, DEA, ATF, you name it. And we're going to have IRS out the wazoo pretty soon to kidnap foreigners in foreign countries who allegedly did something Big Brother doesn't like. And maybe he's just an extremist. Maybe he's just a white supremacist terrorist. Who knows, folks? We've seen that the definitions get changed, and anybody that Big Brother doesn't like ends up being on that list as a terrorist or just a bad guy who needs dying. Violent kidnapping is often used, directing the victim first to a third world country for some torture, maybe Guantanamo, maybe overseas in the Mideast, and then on to the U.S. for a show trial. As horrific as all of this is, U.S. law at least used to require what was called an American harm nexus. Now, it was bad enough, folks, when they were doing it and didn't worry about the law, but they at least pretended there would have to be an American harm nexus which mandated that government kidnapping could only be justified if it redressed harm caused by the kidnapped person to an American person or property. Well, until now, tucked into the 4,100-page abomination, almost 1.7 trillion fiat bucks uh, that supposedly passed the Communist Congress last week, signed into law by the puppet, is a provision that was not subject to debate in either house, and it extends the presumed, I'm going to put that word in there, authority of federal courts to cover crimes committed in foreign countries against foreign persons or properties. Hey, what can't they do? Now, here's the funny thing, right? They will go overseas to kidnap people and accuse them of crimes. Meanwhile, you got absolute murderers who are committing perjury, producing gain-of-function bioweapons that have killed millions, and they're getting away with it, drawing the government pension, and har-de-har, we can do it again. And they're still worried about it, planning on it. By removing the American harm nexus, though, Congress has now permitted the feds to charge whomever they please for crimes committed anywhere they please against anybody they please and directed federal courts to hear these bogus cases. 
you cannot make this stuff up. You cannot begin to fathom how far we have gone from the concept of the rule of law. As uh, Judge um, Napolitano says, this is not the rule of law. This is the rule of brute force. And because no American even need to be harmed and no American law needs to be broken, the president or whoever pretends to be, you know, the guy that uh, is the body double, he can target literally any foreigner or anyone he chooses because you can be declared a foreigner. Hey, if they can take United States citizenship and turn it into a non-event and say that somebody who comes over here crosses the border illegally, they got more rights than you do. Why? Because you signed up for it, remember? Uh, as Greg Reese says, you're a, com- you're a committed criminal. Uh, there is a zero trust in you. The irony, again, it's thick here. Notice when uh, Barack Obama dispatched drones to kill Americans and their foreign companions in Yemen back in 2011, none of whom had been charged with an American crime. They were surrounded by U.S. agents during the 48 hours of their lives. He justified those murders by claiming he killed fewer folks than the bad guys might have killed by themselves. Well, that sounds a lot like what the uh, Obama, I'm sorry, Biden, but it's hard to tell the difference regime is saying now. About somebody whose color is, uh, you know, uh, not a person of color. They must be evil. They might believe in the God of the Bible. They must be evil. They probably are domestic extremists. They don't take their poison poke. You name it. They must be eagle. Evil. This torturous, perverse rationale is a complete rejection of the principles upon which the Constitution, the Declaration were based, natural law, due process, and it absolutely prohibits the first use of aggression uh, and requires jury trial. No, it requires trial by jury. That's a different thing, actually, before execution. Now, notice, before execution, Thomas Paine warned that a passion to punish is dangerous to liberty. Even the liberty of those doing the punishing. It often leads to twisted interpretations of laws so as to make them unrecognizable. Well, that's an interesting point, isn't it? Uh, what I'm going to do next is talk a little bit about the, um, the French Revolution, because I think that's exactly what we're setting up for. And the parallels here are what's interesting. In the a couple of minutes before the break, I'm going to give you the um, the real history, at least as, as good of a synopsis as I've seen. Uh, I don't necessarily trust Wikipedia for some of this Britannia, uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, and uh, uh, the History.com have uh, some reasonable write-ups on it. Um, basically, to, uh, to go as far as we can before we get to the bottom of the hour break, you may recall if you were a public school educated, you probably don't. French Revolution was a watershed event in world history. It began in 1789. Some say it began with the, um, the Bastille, the storming of the Bastille. Ended in the late 1790s when uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, a uh, military general and wannabe world conqueror, came to power. During this period, French citizens radically altered their political landscape, uprooted century-old institutions like the monarchy and the feudal system. And, of course, let's not forget, there was a bloodbath that was arguably one of the most uh, chilling in all of history. Uh, It was called the Reign of Terror. And in so, the French Revolution helped to shape modern democracies by showing the uh, power inherent in the will of the people. Well, okay, uh, not necessarily. Certainly showed the power of people to uh, go out and commit bloodshed. 
Uh, the rise of the third estate. Let's let's uh, kind of rapidly cover that. Uh, basically, Frencher's population had changed considerably since the early 1600s. And if you think about it, that's a lot like what we're seeing today, although for different reasons. There had been an economic revolution. The non-aristocratic middle class members of what was called the third estate eventually represented the vast majority, almost 98% of the people. But they could still be outvoted by the other two bodies, the monarchy, the uh, the royalty, and the aristocracy. And uh, all that led to a May 5th meeting where the Third Estate began to mobilize support for equal representation. They wanted to be voting and have votes uh, by headcounts and not by status. Now, if this sounds familiar, folks, I suggest that there are people today who are thinking, huh, the, um, the vast majority, that uh, they can vote all they want, but it doesn't matter. What happens when people begin to realize that? What happens when people begin to figure that out? The desire for fiscal and judicial reform, as well as a more representative form of government. Uh, the nobles were loath to give up their privileges, kind of like the deep state today. And um, guess what? It all came to a head eventually, and that's uh, essentially uh, what we're seeing. Um, on June 12th, the National Assembly, uh, known uh, at the time as the National Constituent Assembly, Continued to meet at Versailles. Fear and violence consumed the capital. Partisans grew panicked. There were rumors of an impending military coup. And a popular insurgency culminated on July 14th when rioters stormed the Bastille Fortress. Why? Because they wanted to secure gunpowder and weapons. Huh. Isn't that a lot like how the American Revolution began? Although in that case, it was the British that didn't want the commoners, the colonists, to have gunpowder and weapons. This is the commoners that didn't have them trying to get some. And guess what hadn't changed? Big Brother still doesn't want them to have any. And they want them to be as dumbed down intellectually, physically, spiritually, and economically as they possibly can, too. And that'll take us to the break. We'll be right back and pick it up there with the question of what that means for our choices going forward. Now to the second segment of the show for this evening. I'm your host, Mark Collin. Today's show I'm going to entitle Pick a Revolution. We had the uh, War for Independence and the American Revolution and a revolution based on the idea that there really is a God, a creator, and that he has given us God-given rights. And the purpose of government is to secure these rights. That's why they are established among men based on the consent of the governed. Well, there was a whole different revolution going on in France. And as you probably are aware, people like Thomas Jefferson for a while thought maybe it had come out the same way. But there was a big difference in the French Revolution. That's what we're talking about 
about now. And if you haven't heard and aren't aware of some of these differences, I'd suggest you pay close attention because guess what, folks? History doesn't repeat precisely, but it rhymes. And we can see the um, iambic pentameter being set up for the great big rhyme today. So here we go. Uh, after the storming of the Bastille, where the um, the popular um, types, the, the middle class and the peons, decided they needed to get themselves some uh, some weaponry that, um, well, the American colonists actually had, the, wa- the wave of revolutionary fervor and hysteria swept the entire country, revolting against years of exploitation. The peasants looted. They burned the homes of tax collectors, landlords, and the aristocratic elite. Basically what happened, folks, is a lot of people that were PO'd beyond recognition. And, oh, let's just briefly remember, that's why I went through some of the stories. I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to come back to it. Do you think that people have been sold on the masking of their kids, the masking of their own bodies, the destruction of their immune systems, mandated or coerced into taking the poison poke? Oh, it's going to kill you. You're a dead man walking. Ha, ha, ha. What are you going to do about it? Answer? Maybe they'll burn the homes of tax collectors, landlords, medical and professional and political elites. Now, I'm not encouraging that. I'm warning about the fact that when people that have lost everything begin to realize it, as uh, Gerald Salentry says, they lose it. And they tend to do so violently. Am I concerned that that's going to happen? You betcha. Am I concerned it's not going to happen? Well, actually, I think the only thing worse than the kind of a revolution, a civil war that the uh, the left is planning on, would be if people just went into the Orwellian tyranny that they've got planned for them like little sheep to their execution because they do intend to execute people. The question is just how does all this work out? And admittedly, one of the things I'm cautioning about, they have set up a situation where it's heads I win, tails you lose. Either you go quietly to your execution and the guillotine and the concentration camps, ha, 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 or you run amok and kill everything in sight and ha, ha, then we still win because guess what? God doesn't have anything to say about either outcome. Isn't that interesting? The American Revolution, based on an idea of a creator and our rights that come from him, is nowhere to be seen in the options that Big Brother is laying out for people. And my goal is to make darn sure we understand that's lose-lose. Heads I win, tails you lose. Okay, back to the French Revolution. The um, this, this running amok, the wave of revolutionary fervor, hysteria, mass executions, years of exploitation. It was known as the Great Fear. La Grande Pure, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I don't uh, think the French will care for it. Anyway, uh, the insurrection hastened the growing exodus of nobles from France. And um, ultimately, in late August, the assembly adopted something called, get this, the Declaration of the Rights of Man and the Citizen. A statement of democratic principles grounded in the philosophical and political ideas of the Enlightenment thinkers like uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Now, you notice what's missing? We hold these truths to be self-evident. This is based on egalite, fraternity, and all these other concepts of which the creator of the universe and his word plays no part. As a matter of fact, we're going to see that a couple of years later, the Jacobins wanted to get rid of all of uh, so-called religion. Now, ironically, the whole church at this point wasn't helping their own cause. They were just as corrupt. So again, heads I win, tails you lose. The document proclaimed the Assembly's commitment, this was the uh, National Assembly's commitment, to replace the ancient regime with a system based on equal opportunity, freedom of speech, popular sovereignty, and representative government. Sounds good, doesn't it? Um, It's just that it's missing the fundamental element that made the American Revolution different from every other in history. 
And, oh, there was a question, several that were asked, like, would the clergy owe their allegiance to the Roman Catholic Church or the French government? Most importantly, perhaps, as they struggled to try to come up with a new constitution, how much authority would the king, his image further weakened by the failed attempt to flee the country, retain? Well, as it turns out, he didn't retain much, as you probably know. Louis the Sixteenth and uh, let him eat cake, whether the, she actually said that or not, there's no question that Marie Antoinette certainly seemed to have that opinion. Uh, nowadays, I guess you could say the WEF and the um, uh, the Octung Fourth Reich, their their thing is not let them eat cake. Now, by the way, the reason that upset people was because Marie Antoinette thought, well, they don't have bread, have let them have cake. No, they're not going to have cake, and she's not going to let them have cake. But the WEF will say, let them eat bugs if they get to eat anything. On the domestic front, a political crisis took a radical turn when a group of insurgents led by the extremist Jacobins, who literally were uh, about as anti-anything yah as you can find, attacked the royal residence in Paris and arrested the king August 10, 1792. The following month, there was a wave of violence in which the Parisian insurrectionists massacred hundreds of accused counter-revolutionaries. Um, the legislative assembly was replaced by the National Convention, which proclaimed the abolition of the monarchy, the establishment of the republic, but as we know, it wasn't the same kind of republic that we saw in America, folks. Uh, not at all. And as a matter of fact, it's uh, literally led to a socialist system. And uh, Louis XVI was condemned to death, and uh, he was guillotined along with his wife Marie Antoinette, who went there just a few months later. Okay, the reign of terror followed the king's execution, and uh, this brought the French Revolution, say the stories, to its most violent and turbulent phase. In 1793, mid-year June. The Jacobins seized control of the National Convention from the moderates. They instituted a lot of radical measures. Hey, sounds like Antifa and BLM and uh, pretty much the entire Biden regime, doesn't it? Including the establishment of a new calendar, the eradication of Christianity, and they unleashed the bloody reign of terror. A ten-month period in which suspected enemies of the revolution were guillotined by the thousands. And um, Robespierre takes the blame for that. Historians are now saying, well, he probably deserved it, but uh, they tried to get it to uh, to fall on him alone. And it looks like a lot of the people who were afraid they too would be guillotined were the ones that said, oh, we'll, we'll set him as a scapegoat, and uh, then maybe they'll forget us and let us go. They were called the uh, Thermidorians, a moderate phase. Uh, okay, so let me do a quick summary of uh, – this is a piece I found when I was doing some research for the show here um, – I'm going to pick fun at this because it's the kind of historical crap that if you're not careful, you might fall for. This is from theageofrevolutions.com, Christine Adams, who gave a talk uh, on in January of last year called Four Cautionary Tales from the French Revolution for Today. The unsettled era, it says, of the French Revolution uh, it offers insight into our current historical moment as the former U.S. president still refuses to accept recent election results as legitimate. Oh, see, we're going to blame whatever happens on the fact that the leader who was deposed because he wouldn't buy the results of a rigged election where anybody with half a brain and any statistical understanding would say, good grief, a thousand different ways to show that this was rigged and bogus, and by the way, they've doubled down since then. All of this, though, says this author, fires up an already potent and dangerous white nationalist movement that feeds on social media-fueled fever dreams. What? Listen to this. Uh, what, is this the same social media that's been uh, literally ostracizing white um, 
banning, shadow banning, blackballing anybody that uh, is not going with the official narrative, as we have now seen. In other words, this is outright lies masquerading as idiocy. Many Americans, she writes, may be tempted to interpret Biden's inauguration as the opening of a new chapter of wonderful, great goodness forever, right? Many ways it is, but we still need to be on guard for the extremism that persists in the U.S. in the wave of the violent attacks, booga, 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 on the January 6th uh, um, deep state swamp. Historians have stepped forward uh, to give us ways to think, uh, or we'll call it good think, right think about these events. They're drawing on their expertise. They're going to tell you how to interpret it. So that what? So that eventually when people wake up and realize how badly they've been lied to, we can do something that will make the French Revolution look tame. And that, folks, is my uh, my real key. The reason why I'm doing this this show today. And I want you to pay attention, think about this, and understand. Scripture gives us the answer. I'm, uh, I'm already going to the conclusion, right? We're going to come back here. But the conclusion is, come out of her, my people. Who can make war with the beast? Don't try. Come out. Be separate. The creator is allowing the beast to wreak havoc on a system that has forgotten him. It's very much like what happened in France. And this idiot's going to ignore those parallels. But I do want to go through some of the claims and debunk them, and then we'll see what it means. Uh, one of the four cautionary things she's going to point to is rumor, disinformation, and fears of conspiracy can be profoundly dangerous when they take hold in a society. Oh, yes, see, that's what's happening now, because the people who don't accept that they need to take the poison poke, you little slaves, you. They need to have their economy collapse, you little slaves, you. You need to have your guns taken, you little slaves, you. You can't be allowed to speak out, you little slaves, you. You need to wear your masks, you damnable little slaves, you. You need to freeze to death when we cut off your power and put you in an electric car so that you can't, you little slaves, you. Well, they're becoming increasingly radicalized, she says, by what we're doing to them. Well, she's not going to admit that, by what we're doing to them. Tensions, at least in France, were spurred by the media. Well, that at least is similar. You have a media that is angering people by telling them, take your poison poke, wear your mask, be a good little slave. And oh, if we lie to you, well, you probably deserved it. And what we're going to do, we're going to double down, lie to you some more and tell you there's a new booga booga flu coming. Maybe the booga booga Ebola monkey pox. And you're going to have to have your mRNA shot for that one, too. And by the way, if that's not bad enough, there's climate change coming and you need to freeze to death so that you can, uh, what, die and decrease the surplus population. All right. There was a term that came out. She gets this part right called aristos, uh, the former nobility. But it came to be used to define anyone who opposed the revolution. Now, think about it. That's exactly what the Bolsheviks are doing today. Anybody who opposes the revolution, the Biden Fuhrer. What are they? Well, they might be a Putin lover, that's new, but they're certainly a white nationalist, white supremacist, domestic terrorist. We got all kinds of conspiracy theorists. How many perjuratives do we need? Um, French legislators continue to investigate and condemn those responsible for the worst excesses of the terror. Some were exiled, others executed. <laughs> yeah, execute the innocent and blame those who didn't participate. Um, some evaded responsibility, and they helped to shape the new government. Well, that sounds a lot like what we're seeing, doesn't it? Uh, they tried to get a narrative to, to get everybody to believe that Robespierre was solely to blame for the terror. Now, there's an element of truth in that. He was a bad dude, eventually died by the things that he himself brought to play, and arguably deserved it. But he was not alone in that, and that's the way scapegoats are always used. 
Uh, Anthony Fauci, for example, is a truly evil individual who is certainly responsible for the deaths of millions. He's also committed perjury, absolutely no question about it, and treason and any number of actual crimes against humanity that would make anybody at Nuremberg blush by comparison. And yet, folks, he is not solely responsible, as evil as he is. And even if they eventually decide to hang him and execute him publicly, uh, that doesn't get it when it comes to all the other people, the uh, physicians, the doctors who kept silent, who injected pregnant moms, and who went along when they knew darn well that this thing was poison and so forth. Am I urging people to go out and execute all of them, burn their houses, and do what the French did? No. The point is, be aware of the overreaction that they're setting up in an attempt to say, you don't want God to have anything to do with what's going on here. When you forget that, you guarantee another French Revolution. Item number four on uh, her list. I'm skipping a couple of them here. Let me just do them quickly. Uh, In an era of deep political divisions, widespread disinformation, economic crisis, social unrest, well, overheated rhetoric can lead to violence. Yeah, in other words, people that see what's going on and talk about it, that's what leads to violence. Not the fact that people are upset because their kids have been killed, their businesses have been destroyed, and their lives have been taken. That could also lead to violence, but we're not going to talk about it. In the French Revolution, by the time the slaughter ended, during the time of the... um, Uh, The early phases here, September 6th, uh, between 11 and 1,400 people had died. Only about a third of those were political prisoners or conspirators against the government. Most were common criminals locked up for minor offenses. The murders were widely denounced, and that became problematic, as you might suspect. And so as a result, uh, yeah, we have to have some... uh, Exactly what's going on today. Blame the innocent. Rarely is one individual solely responsible for instigating attack. Um, The effort to fight the war abroad and quell counter-revolutionaries within the French nation was the excuse for the reign of terror. And, um, yeah, lots of people got guillotined, about 17,000 throughout France. There were extra-legal killings as, as well. The terror had the support of most Jacobins. And uh, as I've already talked about, uh, Robespierre took the uh, the lion's share of the blame there, and it was those who were afraid they too would go to the guillotine along with him that used him as a scapegoat, at least some historians will suggest. Uh, and as a result, uh, others were executed uh, and uh, exiled and so forth. So here you go. This is the one that I think really ought to uh, inspire some laughter and derision. Her, her big finish, when politicians question and undermine the results of elections or representative institutions, citizens become more cynical and less committed to democracy, which is damaging in the long run. Uh, and how about when politicians rig and control the results of elections or representative institutions more generally? Citizens become, I would say, justifiably cynical and less committed to a scheme of government not a form of government, folks, which we weren't supposed to have when we had a constitution anyway. In France, the um, just after Robespierre was gone, the um, the Thermidorians overturned what they considered, get this, and this, this historian ignores the obvious parallel here, problematic election results in both 1797 and 1798. This was known as the coup of 18 Fructidor and the coup of 22 Floreal, respectively, which lessened the French public commitment to democratic institutions. They became convinced that all politicians were corrupt and self-serving, and that opened the path for young and charismatic general. You may have heard of the guy, Napoleon Bonaparte, to come to power in a coup in November of 1799. Well, she says, we live in a world where lies and conspiracies are amplified by social media and the Internet. It turns out that they are suppressed 
Twitter was suppressing them. The FBI was in cahoots with Big Brother, the public-private partners, to do exactly all of that. What I'm suggesting is when people realize the depth of deception, they get angry about it. And uh, she says it this way, we know that our country's problems won't end even now that Donald Trump is gone. Uh, good grief. Okay. I'm going to do this story quickly. I've got a thousand of these. I've talked about them for months in various fora. Here's one from, um, this is today, though, All News Pipeline and uh, Stephen Stanford. The Biden cabal vax everything to death genocide op. Use big tech, we know this, to ensure that Americans were clueless when they were maimed or killed by the jab that eugenicists already knew were deadly. He's got page after page of documentation. Um, Pfizer knew that these things weren't safe. They were never safe and effective. They were never intended to be. They were never shown to be. How much of this evidence do we need? Answer. Eventually, let's just put that aside. When people realize that they are going to be mad as hell and not going to take it anymore, and they may be wanting to kill a whole lot of people. Again, I'm not encouraging people to participate. I'm saying be aware that this is inevitably one of the two reactions, one of the two reactions that are intended. One of the first reactions is you just sit back and take it, you little slaves. You don't have any way to fight back. Your votes don't matter. You can't speak out. We may come and get you in the dark of night. And we may kill you, but we'll probably poison, poke you, and we'll control you, and we'll take your kids away, and we'll scare you, and we'll suppress and oppress you, and make sure that whatever you thought you had, you don't have, you can eat bugs. Okay, that's part A. Part B, well, if you do have a violent revolution, we'll make sure that it goes completely overboard, and it'll make the French Revolution look tame and bloodless by comparison. This is heads I win, tails you lose. This is... Literally a lose-lose game, folks, where the best answer, to use the war games analogy from the Matthew Broderick film decades ago, is not to play the game. Come out of her, my people. Don't participate. If you participate in the bloodletting, if you take part in the coup, if you take part in the I'm mad as hell and I'm going to kill everything that isn't nailed down, you lose. And you're not going to have the protection of the creator, which you're going to have to have, or else. Now, I'm going to throw out one more story that will kind of begin to tie the ribbons on it today. This is a, a speculative uh, observation. I saw it courtesy of Steve Quayle and a, uh, a reader that wrote to him. He put it up in his private briefings. Uh, and uh, he, uh, he said, basically, um, why is it that Big Brother has now grounded the whole fleet of B-2 bombers, especially if they're trying to, uh, to get a nuclear war going? Isn't that amazing? What does the whole fleet have in common? Well, this guy says, my opinion, it's fuel. Now think about it. What has been used for um, for chemtrails for a long time? It might, in fact, be that there are additives in some of the fuel. Again, this is tough to prove. I've seen anecdotal evidence, multiple sources, but it's uh, very difficult to prove. But certainly something is being sprayed out of the back of all kinds of airplanes, military and commercial. Anyway, this author says, certainly it's true. Big Brother has made a commitment to so-called green energy, which includes, well, diesel. Diesel is, as I've said for a long time, and others have pointed out, the lifeblood of the global economy. Everything, diesel locomotives, trucks, trains, planes, automobiles, all of them, um, some automobiles, but certainly all the big over-the-road trucks, um, barges, Ocean-going vessels, they all run on diesel fuel. And, of course, it, it's called Jet A or other variants when it's, in, uh, when it's in commercial and military airplanes. But essentially, it's just diesel fuel with various kinds of additives to prevent it from gelling at high altitudes and cold temperatures and so forth. But 
if you wanted to destroy a lot of things, wouldn't that be a cool way to do it? Not only have they made sure that there is not adequate diesel fuel, they've cut off things like DEF that are used to, um, uh, now mandated in order to keep these trucks running. They have been redesigned so that they won't run without it. But um, I guess if you just want to destroy the existing old fleet, why not gross out the fuel? Now, what he says is, I got a friend who's a rep for a Kubota tractor dealership. He said in the last four months, they've had between five and six tractors in for repair, all of them with their fuel systems gummed up. They just stopped running. One cost 17000 bucks to repair, new injectors, fuel pump. The diesel, he said, smells like varnished. They bought them from different fuel dealers. If they were doing the same thing to the military, hey, why wouldn't they, folks? They're poisoning the pilots. They're telling them to go ahead and fly after taking the poison poke when the FAA regs say you're grounded because you're not medically fit to fly. You're not medically fit to run a military operation. How much destruction of the system do we need? Is it believable? You betcha. I'll throw out one other thing. Remember, they did this to gasoline just a few, uh, a decade and a half or two ago. They were a bit more subtle, but remember when they started adding ethanol and then mandating it nationwide, what did it do? Well, not only did it lower the mileage, it is also hygroscopic. In other words, it caused problems because it absorbs water. Oh, but the farmers loved it. There were subsidies there. It helped to destroy the early destruction, at least, of the food infrastructure, what with GMOs and corn, all that kind of stuff. That, by the way, set the stage for digestive issues and all kinds of dumbing down and uh, the ability to later do what they did, destroy people's immune systems. Well, isn't it interesting? That was an early beta test, I'll suggest. But the big issue with the um, the injection of ethanol into the gasoline was that it got rid of a whole lot of old vehicles. What, the kind of vehicles that aren't easily controllable, the kind of vehicles that will continue to run for a long time, that they needed off the roads. How do you do it? Well, they had um, bladders. They had um, plastic parts in the fuel system, connectors and so forth. They had diaphragms in some of the fuel injectors, all kinds of things that the ethanol literally attacked and ate up and destroyed the vehicles. They're now rotting in junkyards. Oh, but we get to sell all kinds of new ones. And by the way, we're going to put in all these new features that will enable us to control people. Isn't that clever? So essentially, one of the elements here is be aware of some of the things that will get people killed. I've already started with one, the cold weather, the coming literal um, destruction of the ability of people to deal intellectually and physically with what's coming in the way of cold. They've been told that you need a bikini and don't have to worry about a backup heat source because there's going to be global warming. Well, no, you're going to be in a hell of a lot of trouble if you're not prepared for colder temperatures. And that includes places where, just as we saw this year, normally they don't get this kind of cold. What else? Be aware that there will be attempts to destroy things that people have been trying to set aside to prepare for what the wise ones know is coming. Now that, folks, is a little bit scarier. What are you going to do when the diesel fuel is literally destroying your diesel generator, your diesel truck, your diesel tractor? Do I know that this is the case? No. Am I aware that it's a real possibility and I wouldn't put it by them? Not in the least would I expect that they would do anything else. So be aware of all of that. Again, the concept here is real simple. Uh, prepare for what's coming, food, fuel, warmth, be able to trade, have skills, have knowledge. We talk about that all the time. But especially knowing that the attempt is heads I win, tails you lose. If I can get you to go quietly to your grave, great, Big Brother wins. But if you react violently and just go out and burn and destroy and kill everything that moves, ha-ha, Satan wins that way too. The answer is simple, and it hasn't changed. Come out for my people and know who you serve. The choice has never been more important. 